me bleed my own blood. Nobody! Yeah, it was a blast. I, I wanted you nowhere near there. Um, <laughs> no, I, I had uh, to take my daughter to a, a birthday party, so I got to take her cosmic bowling for the first time and uh, get loose on the on the bowling alley a little bit. And uh, actually, I, I also had to help her uh, fix up a little umbrella art, artistic design for for school in the morning. So I actually have a little bit of glitter on my face too. I'm I've been telling people I just got back from the from the the dance club but you know that would make me cool yeah yeah we both know that's not true so <laughs> very nice very nice you'll uh, you'll keep the glitter for the remainder of the show i'm assuming yeah i might actually even go into my day job and just leave the glitter on and have have a have a story to tell good yeah make sure you uh rub some cocoa butter on you'll be good to go all right moving on tonight we are gonna get started with our what's going on Oh, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? Oh, what's going on? Okay, so not not a lot this week, Jeremy. Um, we just got a couple things. Uh, we kind of surmised last week that Deshaun Jackson was we anticipated he was going to end up in Washington. Um, lo and behold, he ends up in Washington. Um, you know, he raves that RG three and. Pierre Garçon welcomed him with open arms, and, you know, Dan Snyder gave him a hug. So what's your take on the signing? What do you see as his fantasy value? Yeah, um, everybody else is opening him uh, up with, uh, you're welcoming him with open arms, and and he's welcoming everyone else with his pictures from his vacation spot. So uh, how about that from Deshaun Jackson? I, 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 I must have missed that. Is he, is he tweeting pictures? What's it, going on? Yeah, apparently it was a early training camp for which was allowed uh, two to three weeks early, as I may or may not understand it for any teams that had a, a change in coaching. Well, apparently he already had his vacation plans um, shored up, so he went ahead and still took his vacation while his teammates are out there doing their thing, and he was doing his own thing, you know, posting pictures. Hey, man. Dude got paid. Boom. Boom, yeah. Jackson does what he wants. Yeah. no, I, I I will say overall though, Asher, I, I I think it couldn't have there couldn't have been a better landing spot for Deshaun Jackson. Of of course, uh, optimum solution would have been staying in Philadelphia, but of course, additional um, news stories came out as far as him not necessarily uh, getting along with Chip Kelly, even you know allegedly blowing up on him in the locker room and what have you. So it was a change that was uh, obviously necessary um, but I, I I like the signing for Washington as a whole not necessarily for Deshaun Jackson I really like what this does for RG3 I definitely foresee a, a nice bounce back season for Robert Griffin as he gets a little bit healthier and now he actually has somebody to hang on to uh, a deep ball because RG3 certainly has a beautiful deep ball um, I'm not he really does. And the, the thing for me, though, Jeremy, is that, that I don't I don't see it changing Deshaun Jackson's value. I think his value last year, what we saw, you know, eighty plus catches, fourteen hundred yards, like that's his peak. He's 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 
is not going to catch you 100 balls every year. That's not the kind of player, that's not his, his technique. You know, he's a deep threat, big play guy. Mm-hmm. And yes, RG3 has a great arm, but I honestly don't see him getting the volume. They're still going to run play action. They're still going to run with Alfred Morris. I think what we saw last year is the pinnacle of his career, and I, and I think to expect the same is, is foolish this year. I think his receptions are going to drop. His touchdowns will probably drop. He's not a red zone threat. Um, he's not Pierre Garçon. He's not Jordan Reed. You know, um, and and I think it's it's if he, if you like Deshaun Jackson as a wide receiver too, or you think he can blow up week to week, I I, I respect that. If you're expecting him to be a wide receiver one like he was last year, I, I think you're barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, I. I agree with you. I actually wouldn't feel comfortable with Deshaun Jackson unless he was going to be a flex starter for me. And and that's because of the hit or miss that you talked about. And I agree. It's unsustainable from an overall snap count perspective. They're they're not going to be snapping the ball as often as they were in Philly. So, yeah, I I like it for Washington, um, but I don't like it for his value. So if you're still hanging on to him, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a loss. Yeah, I think I think if you have got him in your dynasty league and you're not you're not a hundred percent sold on him, you find the one guy who is, and, and you maximize value. But the good news is, is if you're into the type of guys, um, or if you're in any types of leagues that award uh, points for, um, you know, dropping the ball before you actually cross the pylon, um, you know, that oh, could you're be golden. a yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much it for Deshaun Jackson. Um, like we said, there's not a lot going on this this week. Chris Johnson was released by the Tennessee Titans. Um, what are your thoughts, Jeremy? Uh, he gone. Just quickly. <laughs> do you, do you, and, and honestly, do you think Chris Johnson could have performed any better over the last six years for, for the Titans? No, no. I, I think he, uh, he was the exact example of... Uh, just the absolute epitome of, of what went wrong when you think about running backs in terms of contracts that were being awarded and and he just he got paid in in Tennessee and he he did it by basically just being a loudmouth along the way so uh, you know he he was gone we knew he had to be gone where he ends up right now I don't know I know we talked a little bit last week about him potentially going to New York Jets oh and of of course we hear that the New York Jets are, are not concerned about his attitude in any way shape or form so that'll be interesting um but yeah I at this point until we find out where where he's gonna land I you know, I, I've never been much of a Chris Johnson supporter over the last couple of weeks, and I've been a seller myself. Uh, I guess I, I'm the polar opposite. Um, I think the guy was fantastic for six years, um, over a thousand yards each season. He is a, a three-down back. He is great in pass protection. He catches the ball well out of the backfield. He runs good routes out of the backfield. I don't see it with them cutting him. I understand they probably want to save money. He wasn't that great last year. And I don't see any running backs in this year's rookie draft who are better than Chris Johnson. And they certainly don't have anyone on their roster better than him. So to me, it's kind of a... a, I don't really understand it from a football sense. And I'm a buyer on Chris Johnson. Maybe he's lost a little bit of a step, but the guy still rushed for over 1,000 yards last year. He still can catch the 50 balls in a PPR league, and he still has the chance to, to you know, to occasionally break a long run. And he's getting long in the tooth, and that, that magical age for running backs where they just completely fall off is like 28 years old, and that's right around where Johnson is. But I think if, you, if you're a contending team, I think you kick the tires a little bit, and you see what you've got in Johnson, because to acquire him probably isn't going to cost you a heck of a lot. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, I, I personally sold him for about a mid to an early second round pick in terms of auction dollar um, for the up and coming rookie draft. And and to your point, it's really which side of the fence are you on? Um, it's it's purely going to be base situational and, and where he lands up. He he could uh, he could land up in New York, and if he does land up in New York, um, he's going to have a little bit more value than he did even as a Tennessee Titan. So I certainly see your point there. Um, you know, I I'm just at at that point where you know I I'm the type of owner that I, I typically would have leveraged that prior to this whole kind of Chris Johnson fiasco and I would have already cut bait uh, to maximize for a first round a year early 
Well, well, if you can get a first-round pick for him, I, I, I commend you. I, I don't think you can get that for him. But no, definitely not. No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely um, you not. know, after he signs, maybe we'll see where he, land, where he lands. Uh, moving forward from Chris Johnson, um, a couple other things. Just quickly, we'll touch on uh, Nate Burleson signs with the Cleveland Browns. Big Nate. Uh, That, that pretty much sums up what what I think about it right now. I mean, maybe maybe he comes in and gives you a spot start here and there. I do like Nate Burleson. I do think he is a, a PPR commodity for you. And if if you if you're in a stretch and you you need a, a plug and play, that he's he he could potentially be your guy. I'm not going out of my way to try to acquire him from a fantasy perspective, um, but I can certainly see where he would hold some value. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, to be honest, I think moving from Detroit to Cleveland is a lateral move for him, both NFL-wise and fantasy-wise. I think we're going to expect to see the same production, maybe a higher volume in Detroit because of the way their offensive scheme was, but it really seems like the Browns are going to be looking to passing and to pass more this year. It depends on who their quarterback ends up being. Um, but but I, I think he's the same. He's, he's a wide receiver four or five for your fantasy team. You know, he probably has better NFL numbers than fantasy numbers. I think, you know, if, if, if he's on the waiver wire, you might scoop him up. But, but in, in all honesty, I, think, I don't think his value has changed much by going from the Lions to the Browns. Yeah, I mean, what actually frustrates me about this a little bit is it, it kind of poo-poos on the Baby Hawk um, deal that just happened. And, and Andrew Hawkins, I mean, he, he's been the type of player that, you know, if you if he would just get the opportunity, he could also be one of those high-floor PPR types of, uh, um, you know, players for your team. Um, but I don't necessarily think there's a lot of upside with that now with Nate Burleson. I don't know how many three or four wide receiver sets they're going to be running and, and of course you gotta you gotta wonder what Cleveland's going to do in terms of the draft overall and if they do end up you know Matt bringing in another receiver does that um you know limit the value of both Baby Hawk and Nate Burleson even more so to your point wide receiver four or five plug and play ordeal that's that's about right yeah I, I concur um Demarius Thomas nursing a shoulder injury how concerned are you I mean, I assume he'll be ready for training camp. He'll be good to go at the start of the season. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's kind of a, a no news is is news right now. Not necessarily good news. I mean, you never want to hear that type of blurb, um, but until we we hear you know any more additional concern from the likes of some of the uh, you know uh, dynasty doctors and and Gene Brammels of the uh, the fantasy community, um, you know, I, I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think. Demarius Thomas could have no shoulders and still be a wide receiver one on my fantasy squad. He'll just so, take his helmet off and catch it with his helmet. Yeah, or his mouth. Yeah, that speak. too. You know, yeah. Not, not concerned at all. Uh, was there anything else this week that, uh, that we need to talk about? No, I mean, I think we'd be a little bit remiss if we didn't bring up uh, Mike Williams uh, being traded for a six-round pick to join up in the Tundra over in Buffalo. Um, I, I think it's a good value overall for Buffalo. I mean, if you're only giving up a six-round pick for him, why the heck not? Um, you know, it certainly does uh Boaster up their receiver core a little bit. I mean, I, I don't necessarily buy into to Marquise Goodwin at this point. I, I do still like Robert Woods as a value play. It'll be interesting to what's uh, to see what this does with the overall value of uh, Stevie Johnson. Um, as I understand it, there may not be you know much contractual um, you know adverse impact if they if they do let Stevie Johnson go or if they keep him. So um, I don't know if, if if they end up, you know, doing away with Stevie Johnson because they brought in Mike Williams, a do you want to do that because you have a guy that just got stabbed in the leg by his brother apparently just because they were roughhousing, which seems a little bit odd to say the least to, to me. Amen, amen. I, I know I have a brother. You gotta put yourself in their shoes. Like we just don't know. Like to you it sounds odd, but who knows? This you know maybe this happens all the time. <laughs> You're right. You never know. To me um, it definitely sounds odd. For, for me, um, again, similar to Burleson, I see him. I see it as a lateral move. Um, the reason I forgot about it is because I kind of see Buffalo as like the frozen 
tundra, Siberia of the NFL. You know, not much goes on up there. We, you know, we've been waiting for CJ Spiller to emerge. We've been, you know, waiting for, you know, well, hoping EJ Manuel might turn into some type of fantasy asset. Um, waiting for Robert, Robert Woods had a decent year before he got hurt, but kind of disappointed uh, for what we were expecting from him. You know, I, I kind of, you know, I'm a big Game of Thrones guy, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the uh, the Buffalo Bills the White Walkers. They're just hanging out up there, and people are kind of ignoring them. So Winter, winter uh, is coming. Mike Williams is winter. Yeah, yeah, winter is coming. Yeah, not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, again, like Burleson, it's a, to me it's a lateral move, not much. There, I, th- I don't think it changes his value at all, really, um, as to where he is on your fantasy team and where he is as an NFL, NFL player. Maybe maybe it motivates him. Maybe we see the Mike Williams of a couple of years ago, who has all the, all the talent in the world, but just is a basket case. You know, can't put it together. So that would be best-case scenario, but I'm not buying him anywhere. Agreed. Cool. Well, we, uh, we've got something special planned for you guys tonight. We are going to start doing uh, pre-draft previews of um, each division. Tonight we'll be starting in the AFC East. Uh, we're just going to go through the roster, talk a little bit about expectations, where you know where we see these guys fantasy-wise, um, and maybe talk a little bit about what we kind of expect the, the, the team to do draft-wise um, and how that would be uh, in, in implicate your your fantasy uh, rosters. So uh, without further ado, we're going to start tonight with the AFC East, and we are going to get rolling with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, Buffalo Bills. Uh, we, we just talked a little bit about Buffalo in terms of the receivers, uh, Marquise Goodwin and Robert Woods. Um, you know, it's interesting with Robert Woods because he was already a buy low, but, you know, how low? I mean, it, it, a lot of the hype that he had from his rookie season really kind of tapered off after his injury. Um, he, he didn't certainly look like the same player um, post-injury um, as opposed to when he kind of came out um, prior to his injury. Um, and w- what does Mike Williams do um, to their overall value in the receiver core? Um, but also, what do, what are we doing with C.J. Spiller right now? Um, you know, he he was a uh, very high draft pick right now. He has fallen down the boards um, quite a bit from an overall uh, startup perspective here. It looks like, uh, according to March ADP, he's right around pick 32. I know uh, Ryan McDowell and the crew at Dynasty League Football is um, um, wrapping up some of the April mocks right now, so we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on C.J. Spiller um, overall and where his startup value is and what do you see going forward? Uh, well, well, I think we're 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 seeing him kind of normalize after la- last year. His his ADP was through the roof. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was going in the top three, five picks in dynasty startups. Uh, and, I, and I think you know, he, if you were drafting that high, he had a massively disappointing season. Um, if you were maybe a little bit lower, lower expectations on Spiller, you know, he, he, he maybe he didn't underachieve as much as you. Uh, the general consensus is I, I still think the talent is there. I am a firm believer that eventually talent wins out. Um, whether that means the ageless wonder Fred Jackson ends up on season ending IR and they have to give Spiller the ball, or maybe the coaching staff just realizes, hey, we're going to lose our jobs if we don't win some games, and he happens to be the most dynamic player in our backfield. Maybe we should get him the ball and get him in space. Um, I could see, I easily could see a bounce back year for Spiller. I think people are too low on him right now, um, and and that would be what I would expect from from CJ Spiller. Yeah, he's certainly a buy low um, right now. I guess he's on a buy low because if you're a believer in him, you're a believer. And to your point, if you believe in the talent, you're going to sit and you're going to wait for that talent as an owner. He, he certainly has that, that talent. Um, I, I still struggle with him as a runner overall at the NFL level because there is there is a reason why Fred Jackson continues to get all the carries. Now, granted, C.J. Spiller did have some nagging injuries, which kept him off the field. 
um, but he's never actually been the inside outside runner he's he's always the, the type of runner um, that's going to want to take it outside um, and not necessarily kind of be patient in the backfield and wait for his running lanes to open up um, so that does kind of concern me but man to your point when you watch him do it it's just fantastic watching him do what he does best so uh, you know based on where he's going right now you know I'm, I'm certainly still buying him I don't know how much longer we can still have this conversation about when is Fred Jackson gonna go away uh we have to never, be never. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's just I mean how old is he now like 33 34 like and to your point it, it, they can't stop giving him carries because he's just so damn good I mean when he gets touches, he performs and he catches the ball well. You know, he breaks tackles. He, he's a good running back, and it's it's hard to justify taking him off the field. And you know, Spiller. I think Spiller started the season off last year really well, and then, like, as to your point, ended up with some nagging injuries. And you put Jackson in there, and you, it's hard to take him out. Yeah, and I, I think it behooves the Bills overall to keep rolling with Fred Jackson as long as they have him on on the team and as long as, long as he's productive. Why wouldn't you, as, as an NFL coach, go ahead and continue to kind of give him the rock and, and keep everyone else healthy and, and just kind of, for the lack of a better term, just ride him into the ground? No, I think that's absolutely the way that, that you go. Um, I think last year what really excited fantasy players or fantasy owners is that is that they, they came out and said, you know, they wanted to give Spiller the ball until he threw up. So either he has a very low threshold for carrying the ball and he vomits after four carries, or, you know, they were just blowing smoke. So I, I tend to think it's the latter. I, you know, hope he doesn't have a weak gag reflex, but you never know. What are your thoughts overall on EJ Manuel? And uh, is that somebody that you're kind of waiting on right now and just stashing on your roster, or are you, you just completely moving on? No, I, I'm not but an EJ Manuel fan. Um, I thought he was a reach for the Bills, akin to another FSU player, Christian Ponder. I think he was drafted way too high. Um, you know, you're looking at a, a Bills team that hasn't had a franchise quarterback since, you know, since Jim Kelly. Uh, and I, I think it was a reach. And I think we're going to see that over the next couple of years. I mean, he might make some plays. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, for, for the sake of the entire city of Buffalo, I hope I'm wrong. Um, but I just don't see it with Manuel. Manuel. Um, I, I didn't see it in college, and I, I don't think it's going to transcend to the NFL. Yeah, one of the things that I'm still kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of giving him a, a get out of jail free card here. Um, and you know, I, I, I realize majority of the folks out there are probably uh, sharing the same uh, viewpoint as you right now. He did average 14.5 points per game. He only played a total of 10 games with some of the injuries that he sustained. Um, but even when he was in the game, you know, he kind of had a, a rotation of, of folks in his lineup between C.J. Spiller and Fred Jackson, Robert Woods going down, Stevie Jan uh, Johnson consistently playing through injuries himself uh it's not like marquise goodwin albeit he's got track type speed um you know he, he's not going to be the type of receiver that's going to be able to get open for you underneath and, and make plays and, and and you know get get open and run good routes but in front of the corner so uh, i'm kind of giving him a pass right now i want to see a little bit more um it, it, the bottom line is because from a fantasy perspective i'm going to give the nod to the running quarterback a little bit more because they're just going to have the opportunity to produce with their legs a little bit more um so i mean he had half of a season roughly under his belt and it was just kind of in shambles i mean they started out very hot and then you know you see you saw where it went from from there, so yeah, but I mean, I, I, that, that, the, the shambles seems to be the Bills' season every year. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's that's kind of to be expected. Um, to, to your point, I guess it depends. To me, for EJ Manuel, it would really come down to the size of the league you're playing in. If you're in a 12-team league, Manuel has no value because you rarely. I, I don't typically don't carry a second quarterback. I may, but if I am, it's certainly not going to be EJ Manuel. Um, even in a dynasty, you know, as we're talking strictly dynasty, I'm, I'm not sold on EJ Manuel ever being a week-to-week -week starter on my fantasy squad. Um, I'm just not. And yeah. maybe you stash him on deep rosters. Maybe. 
Yeah, that that's where it comes down to. Even in the twelve team leagues, for me, is if if you have a deep dynasty team, then go ahead and and from from my kind of vantage point is uh, if it's you know a roster of maybe twenty two to twenty four players, um, then I'll go ahead and stash him as a as a second or even a third quarterback, um, just because he he might have that upside. I mean, he certainly was startable uh, in the end of of the year last year, just being able to kind of be that quarterback. If you're in a bind, you can throw him in and and he's going to give you 15 points and you know from from the quarterback position if you're if you're stacked if you had um if you were an Aaron Rodgers owner for instance you know there were some weeks where EJ Manuel actually got you through a little bit respectively so but I I completely hear your point okay uh I guess for as far as wide receiver I kind of see it as just like uh you know a mess you you don't know who's going to be the top guy could be Johnson. They could not keep Johnson. They could cut Johnson. It could be Mike Williams. You know, it could be Robert Woods if he's healthy. It could be T.J. Graham. I think there's just too many questions um, with their receivers. You're hoping, you're probably hoping for Woods to develop. Um, we already touched on Mike Williams. That's kind of my take on their their receivers. I, I think it's a mess. If, if Stevie Johnson is re-signed, I see some value there, um, kind of as a security blanket for E.J. Manuel. From my standpoint, I'm probably not buying any of these receivers. What do you think about the tight end position? Um, any value in Chris Craig as a complete, ultimate deep stash? And what do you think about them picking up a tight end in the first round? Uh, you know, I think I, I think they like Chris Craig. He's got the uh, he's got the prototypical size and speed um, to play tight end. A rookie last year, I, I think it's going to take him a little bit. You know. We all know that tight ends take a while to develop unless you're Rob Gronkowski or, you know, even Jimmy Graham took like a year or two. So tight end is a slow developing position. I, I, from what I read last year, I think they're pretty high on Chris Craig. Um, we'll see if he gets playing time this year. They did bring back Scott Chandler, um, who's kind of like, you know, a dead weight. You don't really want to play him, but, every, you know, every once in a while he gets decent points. But he's not someone you want to keep on your team, um, and it looks like they did sign Tony Mawaki. Mawaki, but um, I don't see either of those guys really standing in Greg's way as far as his athleticism. I think the question is going to become, you know, how well does he pass? How well does he block, run block, pass block, and you know, if if they if they're actually going to give him targets. Yeah, I, I do like the Buffalo Bills kind of, you know, kicking the tires on the tight ends. I, I just kind of question whether or not tight end is the way to go if, if you are the Buffalo Bills in the first round. Um, because to your point, you know, you, you clearly have some, some, some needs on the other side. Um, to take care of there. Um, I actually do like Tony Moyaki, um, but again, it's the whole injury thing that just killed him. I mean, he, he came on uh, um, as a rookie, and he certainly flashed some really great uh, physical talent and ability to just kind of go up and, and, and make those highlight reel-type grabs for the touchdown. Um, but I don't think at this point he's going to be able to get past the injuries. Um, this is another one of those, what the heck, if the Buffalo Bills let's take a flyer and see if he can come out of this healthy so it'll be interesting to to see and it, you know whether or not it should be followed or not but you know I'm not going out of my way to pick up Tony Moyaki by by any means right now but you know I'm, I'm at least kind of stashing that away yeah so I think that'll it'll definitely be an interesting situation to monitor it's a little tough to predict at this point but uh we'll definitely keep our eye on that as training camp approaches uh, moving on we're going to head over to the Miami Dolphins. We're going to go a little bit south, a little bit warmer weather. Um, and let's start out with uh, quarterback. We'll start with Ryan Tannehill uh, coming into his third year. Uh, what kind of feeling are you getting for him? He's got another offensive coordinator. He lost Mike Sherman. Um, he's got Glazer, or Laser, from Philadelphia. He's coming in as the offensive coordinator. Glazer the Laser? Something like that, yeah. Nice. What, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts? Uh, as far as Ryan Tannehill, fantasy-wise, for for this upcoming season. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly a buyer of Ryan Tannehill. Um, you know, I'm not going to feel warm and fuzzy if he's my starter right now, um, but he's certainly a backup quarterback that I, I want on my teams. I do see um, the upside from here. I mean, he performed admirably in a, a just absolute horrendous situation in 2013, and I do think that there's plenty of room to go up from here. Um, you know, I I would I, I don't think it's far-fetched to, you know, have him um, – um, potentially in that you know dynasty uh, quarterback six to ten range right now you know I'd have him right around 11 or 12 haven't completely gone through rankings yet soon to come um, but yeah I, I definitely see him as a, as a long-term hold um, as the offensive line gets a little bit better he'll get a little bit better I certainly see uh, Moreno coming in and helping out that situation across the board as well um, so Ryan Tannehill is, is definitely the type of quarterback that can that can sit back there um, you know sling the ball around make the tough throws got a big arm and he can you know tuck the ball in and go ahead and run with it when he needs to as well so you know I, I certainly like him um, and the leadership he brings to Miami um, what say you uh, well I, I like Tannehill you know as a Dolphins fan I'm not the highest guy on on Ryan Tannehill from a football standpoint uh, I think I think they've given him some weapons. I think they brought in No. Sean Moreno to help in pass protection and as possibly as a third down back. Um, I like that uh, Dustin Keller's probably coming back. I like I like the development of Charles Clay. I like Hartline and Wallace as weapons. I think he's going to build more rapport with Wallace. For me, I think again similar similar to Ponder and EJ Manuel. I think Tannehill was a reach. Uh, for the Dolphins three years ago. I, I think that they they were pressured by the fans and by ownership to take a first-round quarterback. Um, I, I think in hindsight, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to sound like a uh, uh, genius, but I harped that whole year that the Dolphins, and as a fan, from a fan perspective, I wanted them to go kookly and take Russell Wilson in the second. And now I look like a genius, and I kid you not, that is exactly what I said three years ago, and everybody laughed at me. And now Kukli is an all-pro linebacker, and Russell Wilson just won his first Super Bowl. Uh, so I think Tannehill, for me, he's, you know, as, as a Dolphins fan, I'd love to have him on some fantasy teams. I just, I don't see what everybody else does. So the moral of the story is they're all going to laugh at you. Yes. <laughs> it, you, your analysis was spot on, though. I mean, it, yeah, the, the uh, only uh, thing that was standing standing in the way, of course, with Russell Wilson with his, was his height. He doesn't have the prototypical build, the height. The, he certainly has the arm. There's no doubting that. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we'll get off topic, topic with Russell Wilson. We'll get to him, you know, when we do the NFC West. But if you watched any of his tape at Wisconsin or NC State, you knew the guy was going to be able to perform at the next level. And I just, you know, to me, it just screams as to how incompetent Jeff Ireland was as a GM. Because I, and I backed him as a fan, you know, for years. Even, you know, you went through the whole thing where Parcells picked most of the team and he was just a puppet GM. So you gave him a couple years. And he just, to me, Tannehill's, I'm hoping, I'm cautiously optimistic he's a franchise quarterback. I'm not quite sold on him yet. I think this is a prove-it year for him. Um and you know I'm, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic yeah i don't necessarily blame miami for you know going after the quarterback i mean there's too many times that don't you know make a concerted uh, effort to go after the guy that they want and and they did that to your point uh, maybe, maybe it was a reach but i i don't necessarily um you know think it was a reach just because i certainly am a believer i kind of had ryan Tannehill and russell wilson toe to toe uh, you know as the two quarterbacks of of that class you know that i really couldn't decide in, in a couple different leagues i was d- debating whether or not i was going to take ryan Tannehill or russell wilson and i I actually did take Russell Wilson not to get off topic um, and much like you took a lot of heat from the, the leagues I did for taking Russell Wilson when I quote could have had Ryan Tannehill with that pick um, so it, it certainly looks and feels good now um, but I do think there, there's only up for Tannehill from here um, he, he was just dealt a, a bad bad hand I mean I like Brian Hartline 
but I like him. It's not like he's great. I, I, I mean, looking back, I think Brian Hartline only got about, you know, maybe six to seven million a year. So it really wasn't all as bad a contract as people made it out to be. But it was just a lengthy contract, which is why it, it seemed to be such a such a bad contract. Um, Hartline actually, in one of Ryan McDowell's um, mock drafts right now, didn't come off the board until the late part of round 14 right now to show you where his value is right now so i guess if you do need a plug and play type of guy you know heartline could be that guy um but yeah i I just you know he 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 ended 2013 going back to ryan Tannehill as a 15th best fantasy quarterback and you know i i do think he's got room to grow oh no i I agree Uh, i think as far as wide receiver uh, for the dolphins I, I like Hartline as well. I, I don't love him. I think he's, again, similar to the same vein as maybe a little bit more talented than Nate Burleson, but at the same vein, um, you know, wide receiver four to five, maybe a wide receiver three, depending on how large of a league you play in. Um, I am a fan of Mike Wallace. I, you know, think that they're going to get on the same page at some point. If you watched any of the Dolphin games last year, you knew that Tannehill overthrew him, underthrew him, couldn't quite get on the same, you know, wavelength with Mike Wallace. I'm hoping they put in the, uh, you know, the work in this offseason and they get that rapport and consistency and, and uh, kind of chemistry down because I don't think Mike Wallace's talent has gone anywhere. And I think the Mike Wallace that we saw in, in, uh, in Pittsburgh is still there. I think it was more of just an issue of them being on the same page and, you know, Mike Wallace getting his targets. And we saw it at times last last year, a few games where they made it a point to get Mike Wallace involved. He had big games, and then he disappeared. Um, you know, when they, when they ran the offense through Charles Clay or, um, you know, they were getting Brandon Gibson quite involved until he, you know, succumbed to the, the uh, knee injury that, that seemed to hit everybody last year. Um, so I, I think I, I like the receiving core. I think it's solid. Um, and they've got some young guys they like as well. Armin Bins, uh, Richard Matthews, and you know, we don't know what they're going to do in the draft either. But I, I like the receiving core. Yeah, I do like Mike Will, uh, Mike Williams, Mike Wallace this year as opposed to last year. Right now, um, he's a seventh uh, round draft pick in startups right now, um, and that's a pretty good value for Mike Wallace. And and what was he last year? Somewhere around the fourth round, maybe fifth round lowest. Um, yeah. So yeah. now you know now you're you're getting in the range of bargain bin shopping, and you know I, he's not the type of wide receiver I like to kind of add on wide uh, on fantasy teams because. As as we know, he's that one-trick pony, and he's going to give you those games where, um, you know, as Tannehill and the team moves forward, he's going to give you those games where he's he can catch a touchdown or two and and, and break the hundred uh, century mark. Um, but you don't know when he's going to do it, how he's going to do it, and if it's going to be two or three catches when he does do it. Um, you know, we started to see him kind of open up his route tree a little bit more and start to work laterally. Um, I really want to see more of that, and if he can start to can kind of mature as a wide receiver and continue to expand upon that then that value is certainly going to increase so i'm okay with this price now um you know it, it's just one of those scenarios that he he's he, you pretty much know what you're going to get with them which is you're not quite sure what you're going to get with them yeah i i tend to disagree a little bit with you there um i, I like his adp at seven better than it was last year uh, seven is right about seven to ten is right around where he was going in Pittsburgh before he developed into a wide receiver one there. Um, and I think Wallace has always been able to run the other routes. It, it really depends on play calling. If you watch any of the Pittsburgh games, he goes over the middle, he runs slants, he runs bubble screens, he runs fades. He kind of can do it all. It just, it really, in Miami, they, they, they didn't give him the option. They wanted him to take the top off the defense. They wanted him to run the deep ball, you know, and open the underneath routes for Gibson and the tight ends, and the running backs leaking out of the backfield. Um, and I think if, if they change their scheme, you know, with this new offensive coordinator, they're going to hopefully get him more involved, and I think we'll see uh, a much more complete wide receiver than we saw last year. 
Yeah, I, I certainly hope you're right about that, and that sounds about right. I mean, I, I don't understand why they would have just used him specifically to take the top off the, the defense, um, but you're right. I mean, that's what we saw um, all of 2013, and it's not like Tannehill had all the time in the world to even make that happen. So, yeah, they, they could certainly get more creative and start to use him more, absolutely. Yeah, um, just to, to, to add to that, you know, we don't have to harp on the Dolphins for but the reason, personally, the reason as a fan, I feel that, that uh, you know, they, they used him that way. And I think Mike Sherman had a bad offensive scheme. You know, this was this was a guy who would, you know, if, if the defense knew you were running, he was not going to audible out of it and he was going to run, um, you know, and just didn't get his playmakers involved at all last year. You know, Lamar Miller averages averaged over five yards to carry, and yet there were games where they didn't play him and they ran Daniel Thomas. And they had a, and, and we're still talking, they had the worst offensive line in the league, and Miller's still getting decent chunks per carry um, to kind of touch on the running backs now. Um, I know they, they signed Moreno, which I like for pass protection. You know, I don't want Tannehill. If he's on my fantasy squad, I don't want him sitting on his butt the whole game. Um, I like that Moreno catches the ball well. Um, I'm really ho- hoping fantasy-wise that they use Moreno and Miller as a one-two punch um, and kind of phase Daniel Thomas out so that he's not vulturing touches, but um, maybe that's wishful thinking. Maybe they're going to go with a, a three-headed running back by committee. Uh, I don't think we're really going to know until you know preseason rolls around or maybe even game one, uh, the NFL season, as to what exactly Miami is planning to do with the, with the with their running backs. God, I sure hope you're right. I mean, I'm I'm still I'm not giving hope up on Lamar Miller. I'm still going out there and actively looking to buy low on him. It's not like I'm going to overpay for him, um, but you know, bringing in Noshan Moreno. Let's face it, as a dynasty owner, these are the types of moves where you you really have to kind of weigh the the risk versus the the potential gain if it does hit. I mean, again, you don't want to overpay, but I mean. Lamar Miller, while he can't catch the ball, at least he hasn't shown the ability to catch the ball yet. Um, it's not like they asked him to go out and catch a lot of balls out of the backfield either. I mean, they were too busy giving the ball to Daniel Thomas to run into the back of his offensive lineman. Um, so hopefully Noshan is going to be able to come in and, and not do that. So that's an upgrade in itself right there. Um, but I still like Lamar Miller, and it seems like he probably is best suited to be a little bit more of a committee back. But he has that type of skill set where as a change of pace committee back, you know, that's where he's going to gain a lot of his value. So if he can get, um, you know, 12 to 15 targets or carries a game overall, I I think that's certainly something that could potentially get him close to a RB2 range. I mean, the guy ran a 4-3-4-40 and a three-cone of uh, something, high six is just under seven. And, and that's the type of talent that you don't find very often at the position. Um, um, so you know he, he's he's a he's a buy low that everybody has given up on. Um, ADP says so, and and their owners say so as well. So I'd go ahead and you know see if you can you know fork out an uh, an offer for him if I can get something in the tune of a second round pick, or if I can get Lamar Miller for a second round pick, I'm gonna do it every time. I mean, is that unrealistic, Asher? To you know, it, it, the owner's just not gonna even take a second pick, and they're better off just holding on to Lamar Miller at that point. Uh, personally, I, th- I think it depends on what your team need is going into the the 2014 rookie draft. If you're if you're weak at receiver, there's no way there's no way I'm giving up a second round pick for Lamar Miller. Um, you know, if you need a running back, then and you're pretty set at receiver, then yeah, you might consider that. I think the running back class this year is relatively relatively weak. Um, no one, you know, there's no elite talent yet. A lot of people are on Crowell, but. You, we don't really know what he's going to do until he, you know, gets in the NFL, gets drafted. Um, I do like Lamar Miller. I think the knock on Lamar Miller, which is well, not the knock, the wart on Lamar Miller, is that he's not a cerebral guy. He, I'm not knocking his intelligence. I'm simply saying that he doesn't. And this is the issue. This is why he dropped in the draft, the NFL draft, even notwithstanding a shoulder injury, he dropped because the guy is not good on the whiteboard. He's not good in pass protection. He doesn't pick up you know, plays very quickly, he doesn't do well with audibles, and it resulted in Tannehill getting sacked a lot last year, and probably why they pulled him in favor of Daniel Thomas. 
Um, if you've listened to any interviews, the guy has a great work ethic. He's not the sharpest crayon. Um, and I think that's going to hurt Lamar Miller. Maybe this is a situation where talent wins out. I just am a little concerned that he doesn't. he's not picking the game up well. And I would love to see him get 12 to 15 touches because I think he can be very successful, as you said. I could also see the Dolphins not playing him if he's allowing sacks and Moreno is protecting well. I, I could see Moreno not coming off the field. I just jotted down in my notes that Lamar Miller is dumb. Well, you said it. <laughs> I said it. Shoot me. I said it. You <laughs> <laughs> oh, better make sure Lamar Miller is not listening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I, I, it's okay, you know. I don't, I don't think he's listening to the fake pigskin podcast quite yet. No, no, he will soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, but, I mean, he if they could use him situationally, you know, there, there, there just might be a shot. So, I mean, if I've got a bunch of draft picks and I'm starting to look into the second round, you know, obviously the first move I would do is try to trade out and figure out how to get into a first round for 2015. Um, but I'm willing to still take a shot. If I'm built and my team is, is well off right now and I can afford to gamble, I want to gamble. I, I like to gamble. I agree. I agree. Uh, we'll touch quickly on their tight ends. Um, we've got Charles Clay, who was kind of kind of a re- revelation for the Dolphins last year. Um, I was a big fan of Clay coming out of Tulsa. You know, he kind of did it all. Big, athletic. He had the body for a tight end. You know, um, played H back, played fullback, played tight end at Tulsa, and I was really happy they got him um, three years ago. And Really happy to see him develop. Um, they've got a couple other guys. Deion Sims has kind of been labeled a big blocker type. Michael Agnew has just been a humongous disappointment for a second, third-round pick, NFL pick, um, just akin to Lamar Miller. Can't get his head in the game. He's just It's too much for him. He's just not picked it up. Um, and that's mostly it. I'm not sure if they're bringing back Dustin Keller. Um, after that traumatic knee injury last year. If he comes back, I like him. If he's healthy, uh, he had showed good rapport with, with Tannehill last year, um, and I could see much of the same if he's fully healthy and recovered and ready to roll. Um, what do you think about those guys, Jeremy? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think both Deion Sims and, and Michael Agnew, you know, those are both guys that I was kind of scratching my head wondering where they were going and why they were going there because I just wasn't seeing it I mean Deion Sims yeah maybe he's the type of guy that is going to be a good red zone um, type of threat but you know what is he going to do between the 20s he doesn't really possess that type of skill I love Charles Clay was playing him in a lot of fantasy leagues more specifically redraft leagues as a um um, just a, just a waiver wire pickup to help get me through the league where I was in dire straits for tight end. Um, he certainly plays to that H-back role very well. Um, I'd love for them to just give him the the red zone touches. I, I, I don't understand why they wouldn't do it. I mean, now they got no Sean, but he certainly has the the traits to be able to do that and do that well. So I'd like to be able to see that them do that a little bit more. Um, overall dynasty, I mean, he he pretty much is what he is. Um, he, he's not somebody that I'm going to look to to grow um, into, you know, a, a top um, 10 long-term dynasty asset because I am still going to. I don't want to say I'm going to be keep searching for the next Jimmy Graham because I don't think any of us are going to find the next Jimmy Graham. Um, but I am still going to keep looking for the Joker tight ends, the tight ends that are going to move out. Um, I don't care if a tight end um, comes into the league and is able to block or not. Um, And I understand that the ability to block keeps them on the field. But if the tight end is on the field in a blocking capacity, that doesn't help my fantasy team at all. Um, So, you know, I'd much rather have a guy like Charles Clay that at least I know he's going to be able to earn some routes. Um, But, you know, I, I might roster him because I'm not going to get all that much for him. But as I have him rostered, I'm still going to uh, keep going through different types of guys that I think have some upside, like uh, like a Luke Wilson and, you know, players like that. Okay. Uh, great. We are, we are going to touch a little bit quickly here on the Patriots and the Jets. Uh, we'll do the Patriots first. Uh, as far as quarterback goes, 
It's uh, Tom Brady, Ryan Mallett, and nobody else behind them. Um, not much really to say about Tom Brady. He's typically in the, in the top five, top ten quarterbacks. He kind of had a down year last year. Um, personally, I think he bounce, personally, I think he bounces back this year. I think we see the Tom Brady bold as long as his, his receivers stay healthy, depending on what they do with the draft. Uh, quick thoughts on Tom Brady, Ryan Mallett. Do you think this is the year they showcase Mallett in the preseason and trade him to some team that's quarterback needy? I, I'd like to be able to say I know, but I, I have to be candid. I, I really don't know with Ryan Mallett. I mean, you know, there was, there's was there been plenty of hype, you know, in the past couple of years and, you know, the, the trade, Ryan Mallett. I, I just don't know um, if, if he kind of comes out with the hype and they can get a draft pick for him. That's great. Um, is Ryan Mallett the quarterback of the future as Tom Brady gets a little bit older? Um, you know, I, I think this is about the same age um, range where Aaron Rodgers was drafted um, and he thought a little bit prematurely but that's the type of quarterback that fell to the end of the first round and essentially there were 31 other teams in the NFL that could have had Aaron Rodgers and didn't um, so that pretty much goes to show you how how well we are um, in evaluating quarterback talent from a scouting perspective to say the least um, but I mean does does the New England Patriots I should say do the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick do they do they take a chance on a quarterback this year and have him develop a little bit more and maybe hit up the trade wire um, with Ryan Mallett. It, you know what? There's there's a lot of unknowns here, and I think that's what Bill Belichick is good at giving us. Yeah, yeah I think so too. Um, running back-wise, for me, it always has been. With Belichick, it always will be. It's a mess. It's a running back committee. I want no part of it. I bought into the Shane Vereen hype last year. He got injured. He came back. He didn't play, Ridley played, Blunt played, Bolden played. It, to me, it's a mess. Um, I see value in Ridley and Vereen. Vereen, especially as a PPR back, maybe Ridley if, you still, if you're still playing non-PPR. Um, Ridley's just such an enigma. He fumbles and he sits for games, you know, full games at a time. When he's on the field, he's a great, great asset for your fantasy team. Um, he's For me, he's a little too volatile and... Um, Brandon Bolden is kind of, you know, a guy you might have a, have a flyer on for me in, in, in larger leagues. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about, about these running backs. Uh, we know Blunt signed with Pittsburgh. Um, we'll touch on him when we get to the, uh, the NFC North. But what do you think quickly on these guys? Um, anyone in particular you're a little bit higher on? No. No, absolutely not. Um, I actually pretty much right in line with you. Um, Shane Vereen and Stephen Ridley, both of them are going to be free agents coming up in 2015. Um, what What's going to happen with them long term? Um, you know, Shane Vereen, I mean, he is a PPR stud, at least he was, and they finally, you know, here's, here's my concern is that I, do I really think that Bill Belichick wants to do what he had to do with Shane Vereen uh, on a go-forward basis? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think any team wants to have to you know, target their their running back out of the backfield twelve times in order to get the ball another four or five yards down the field. You <laughs> know, agree. so so I I think. The, the pinnacle of when you sell a player is just like what happened last year. As soon as Shane Vereen is, is catching 11, 12, 13 um, balls, you know, I, I think people are going to uh, sell themselves on, oh my gosh, I finally have that PPR stud I've been waiting for. Um, but that's the exact reason why, as an owner, I jump on that opportunity to immediately kind of test the trade waters and see what I can get. And maybe I undersold him a little bit, but I was able to sell him for what ended up being a 1.4 uh, for this year, and that I, I'm absolutely okay with that. I know Shane Vereen is going off the boards right now about the um, third to fourth round or so, and I, I do think he's going to get some uh, um, short-term value for some folks. But, again, we don't know what happens with running backs once they hit that contract is he going to resign is he going to go to a situation that's going to mirror that of what he's currently in right now and he let's face it he hasn't been the most durable guy so you know he, he's not the type of guy that you know Belichick has been willing to give the ball to on early down so I I just don't see the sense in trying to build my team around a player like that so I I like him but I you know I'd rather maximize the value no, I think I think we're in agreement. Uh, for me, the wide receivers tend to take 
uh, a similar a similar tune with their wide receivers, and a lot of people are high on um, Aaron Dobson coming into his second year. Um, Brandon LaFell signed with them. Uh, Muddy's the water. We've got Kimbrell Tompkins, and then you've got Danny Amendola coming back from injury. And really the only receiver that I would want on this team is Julian Edelman, who we really saw fill that Wes Welker void last year. Uh, and for me, being uh, partially Jewish, it's just, you know, a bonus that Julian Edelman is probably is the only skill position um, Jew in the NFL. Uh, that sounded bad, but um, <laughs> I'm just being honest. <laughs> quickly, quickly here, we don't, we're going to run out of time um, before we get to the lowly Jets, and we, we don't want to skip Rex Ryan and and uh, and the Jets. So just quick on the receivers, we'll touch a little bit on the tight end after that. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I do like the value of Aaron Dobson right now. I thought even coming out uh, of college, he really has big playability. Um, but at the same time, he has big dropsy ability as well. Um, you know, I, I think that's the type of thing that can be developed. Um, so, uh, you know, where, where he's going right now in startup drafts around pick 100, um, that's something according to ADP data. I'm, I'm willing to go ahead and take a shot at that point in the draft. Um, I agree with you on Julian Edelman. The situation couldn't have gotten any better uh, for for an owner if you're a Julian Edelman owner. So, um, you know, he's your safe play right now, but I'll still kind of um, take a pick late on Dobson and swing for the fence. Yeah, uh, just a quick caveat. Um, I do like Josh Boyce quite a bit. Um, I know that a lot of teams were trying to trade up for him last last year in the NFL draft. Uh, he dropped a little bit because of an injury. Uh, I think he compares very similarly to Wes Welker, except that he's faster. Um, so I, if you're asking me to pick between the two, between the two second-year receivers, Dobson and Boyce, I like Boyce better. Um, I think he fills a void if Edelman goes down, and he his value right now is better than Dobson because he's, he's being drafted so much later. Uh, and then, you know, I like Kemble Tompkins, but again, it's just kind of going to be a mess going to produce for your fantasy team. Um, so we will we will jump a little bit south from New England down to New York City and the quagmire that is the New York Jets. Uh, it just seems like every time Rex Ryan can't do anything dumber you know, to confuse his players and confuse us as fantasy owners. He goes out and proves us wrong. They back Geno Smith all offseason, and then they go inside Michael Vick. And they're noncommittal as to who the starter's going to be. What are you thinking about about the Jets, and where are you valuing the quarterbacks this year? Here's what I'll say is that I, I you know, if, if we're talking – um, short-term value, sure. I mean, if you happen to have Mike Vick on your roster right now as a carryover from last year for some reason or the other, you know, if you can make it through the rookie drafts, go ahead and hang on to him and, you know, see if you can parlay him into a, 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 as a sweetener to a larger deal with the Geno Smith owner for somebody that's already in a rebuild and happens to have Geno Smith as their second quarterback uh, or something to that nature. Um, so, I mean, I don't see the value in the Jets coming in and have asking Mike Vick to to start, uh, you know, from a long-term perspective for the franchise overall. So I, I think I do see Geno Smith coming out there and, you know, being the leader um, and, and Mike Vick, I guess, adding whatever type of value he can add uh, from an overall coaching and leadership perspective for Geno Smith. Um, it, I know that's just an absolute paradox of a statement, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, re- receiver-wise, I mean, they, they just got Eric Decker. Um, we all know that you don't like Eric Decker that much. No, um, no, no. Where, where did you hear that? That's, yeah, uh... I, I heard from a friend of a friend of a friend. 
Yeah, well, that that's completely true. So. <laughs> um, I, I I just can't quit Stephen Hill. Darn it! Um, oh, oh you're one of those guys. Uh, yeah, uh. I'm just. It doesn't it doesn't cost me anything to hang on to him right now. It's it, you know majority of my leagues are all deep dynasty, so I'll hang on to him for one more year. Um, maybe he makes it through half the season. Maybe he doesn't. Um, you know, I it's just tough for me to 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 just disconnect myself from a guy of that physical freak of a nature um and then of course you know there's there's still dwight jones who you know had plenty of hype and then he walked away from the game for uh very admirable reasons as i understand it for you know some more familial matters um so that's another type of high upside guy so it seems like the jets are you know trying to still you know look at some high upside guys alongside um eric decker you know we thought maybe there was a chance to Sean Jackson was going to land there and he didn't so I'd imagine they're still going to take it to the draft um, to get another guy in there so we'll, we'll see but you basically have um, Decker and everyone else no I get you know it's funny we're, we're going to completely disagree um, I think unfortunately to touch on Stephen Hill I think he is the um, he's just unfortunate to have followed Calvin Johnson and Demarius Thomas out of Georgia Tech, uh, you know, you get these these beastly, physically gifted, you know, monsters coming out of this program, and Stephen Hill seemed to fit that mold, and he just hasn't developed the same way those other two receivers have, and I think it's almost unfair to him, because we're expecting production, and we're not getting anything close to those those other two mentioned receivers, and I, and I think that's what's hurting him quite a bit um maybe he puts it together in this year maybe he doesn't um but i think that's that's why we're viewing stephen hill as such a bust um to touch on decker i don't have to say much you can go to fake pigskin um read the article that i posted this week about him um i don't have to say anything anything further other than that he is the de facto wide receiver one for the jets um and that i think if you can get him buy him now because come week one, after he plays, you're not going to be able to get him um, cheap at all. Uh, and I think they, they, it looks like they signed Jacoby Ford, deep speed guy who's, who's underachieved as well. Um, and then the rest of them are not really worth mentioning. Other than I do like Jeremy Curley as a slot guy. Um, I think as maybe a wide receiver, an NFL wide receiver three, I think he has some value. Um, looking at their tight ends, they re-signed Jeff Cumberland, and it looks like they've got Zach Sudfeld. Cumberland might have some value. I probably am not touching their tight ends uh, until I see some consistent production. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, I do like Jeff Cumberland as a talent overall. He, he's he's one of the big tight ends that you when you watch him, you go, man, how the heck did that guy at that size pull that play off so he his his speed is very deceptive for his size so you know he certainly can work the seam um but again it's just a matter of whether or not he's going to you know kind of get the long-term opportunity for it um i do see him as a tight end too that you know maybe his value increases a little bit um you know the presence of eric decker could certainly you know help open something up across the middle for um you know cumberland when he goes on and uh an out route uh if you will so this this will be interesting to see um zach sudfeld the off-season darling um finds himself on the other side of town um i don't i don't really think at this point there's anything to, to see there no, no i would agree with you um touching on now to move to the, the meat and potatoes of the jets typically or the running backs rex ryan likes to pound that ball um below below pal chris ivory looks like they've got alex green you know they've been linked to chris johnson who do you think is going to have the most value this year who would you roster um do you think it's going to be a mess akin to the Patriots? Do you think they're going to roll with the hot hand? What are your thoughts? 
this is where I kind of struggle a little bit, even if Chris Johnson does end up as a Jet, is, I mean, to your point about the hot hand and the whole uh, Belichick syndrome, I mean, Rex Ryan, to your point again, is also going to ground and pound, and he's going to do it as often as he can. So I I might actually say, if I'm going to pick one of these running backs to, you know, give me value, it might be Bilal Powell in the sense that, He's probably the the best fit back to kind of come in and be able to change the pace up and do everything that, you know, a coach wants a running back to be able to do from every capacity of, you know, being a running back in the NFL. Um, he, he can come in and, and pass protect. He can come in and catch the ball out of the backfield. He can run the ball on early down. So he kind of is, um, you know, like the second-round guy that doesn't have all of the upside of the first-round guy by any sense of the word um but you know he's kind of like that trusty steed that you can kind of as a coach you know ask to go out there he's going to give it his all and he's still going to be somewhat effective um so you know he's he's somebody that can be had for nothing you know maybe um in a startup draft you can take him towards the end of the draft and you'll still get some value out of it but I don't know what's going to happen, whether or not they sign Chris Johnson. If they do bring in Chris Johnson, um, obviously they're not going to bring in Chris Johnson to sit on the bench. So he's going to catapult into the top of that, that lineup. And you'd, you'd probably, I'd imagine, you know, see something to the tune of, uh, you know, 60, 65% Chris Johnson and the, and the rest between Ivory and Powell. Yeah. yeah um, my take on it, I, I love Chris Ivory. I think he, he, he runs nasty, he runs mean, he's strong, he hits the hole hard. He's nasty. But he, he's just, he just can't stay healthy. Um, you know, and, and he's been, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't finish years. He doesn't, he doesn't get you into the, he gets you into the playoffs maybe, but he's not going to help you win championships. Um, and so I'd probably shy away from Chris Ivory. Uh, like he said, below Powell's kind of like the Swiss Army knife. He does everything okay. He's not elite at anything. He's probably a flex play, maybe a RB2, depending on the size of your league. Um, and if Chris Johnson ends up there, to your point, yes, he will be the starter. He, Chris Johnson is not going to sign somewhere to be a backup. Um, I like Chris Johnson. At the on the Jets, we talked a little bit about last week. They have a good offensive line, and I, I personally think he still has talent. Um, Alex Green, I don't think there's much there unless the, the top two running backs go down. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Jets do if they bring somebody in with the draft, um, or if they kind of shy away from the position they feel that they're set. Um, it'll be definitely be a situation to monitor. Uh, so that pretty much wraps it up for us, guys, as far as divisions and mostly for the podcast. Um, I've got a couple quick things I'm going to say. Um, I don't know if you're listening, uh, Mary and Grice, but um, we were kind of we were expecting you to be on the show, and and you didn't. So, boo. And maybe next week, but I think we're going to move on. And uh, for Wes, um, keep it together, buddy. Your team is not that bad. And better luck this year. And for everyone else out there, um, I have no clue either. Better luck next year, Wes. How about that? That works. Say hi to your mom for me. Up your butt, Joe Boo. Post game show is brought to you by. Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. And if you want